back here. Um, also in November, there's something, what is going on on the first, something like Third of November, something something big's going on. I forget what it is, but uh, be praying about that, would you? Um, I got on my computer last night and watched that that um, that brawl uh, slash debate slash you know, and uh, it was painful. I, I, a couple times I'm like, just just be, oh man, be quiet, please, both of you. Oh, I, it was it was rough. It was definitely not a Lincoln Douglas style debate. <laughs> okay. If anybody knows what that is, you can go look up the old uh, Lincoln Douglas style debates. They would debate for six hours, six and eight hours, and people would listen to them. You know, this is actually this isn't a mess, but this is why uh, Trump is successful acting like a moron. I'm sorry because, and and I, I mean, I'm all all for him primarily, not all for him, but you know what I mean, and. Uh, but because our nation now is set to 30-second soundbite to nobody, people can't sit for a 45-minute message, you know, let alone a six-hour debate on, on government and politics. And think about how many people don't know a thing about our country and about the three co-equal branches of government, about we're a republic and not a democracy. I mean, we can go on and on and on. People don't understand about our government and uh, things like that. And uh, so... I don't know how I got on that. Yeah, but that was that was quite a thing last night, and uh, so we'll be glad when that is over. And by November third, hopefully by November third, twenty twenty one, we'll know who won the presidency, because it's looking like that maybe uh, we need to pray about that one too. So anyway, I don't want to get too far down this trail here, but a uh, lot to, lot to pray about, and. Uh, I love that that last song. Take the name of Jesus with you. We just we just had some prayer requests about that, didn't we? And we just take them take them with us wherever we go, and be ready, and uh, be ready just to talk about them. How's that? And we talk about a lot of things we we really like, don't we? And we talk we can talk for hours about things that we don't like that really have no eternal value whatsoever. And uh, take take the name with you. It's a good admonition. All right, Job chapter sixteen tonight. If you remember last week, uh, we looked at the subject of compassion. And uh, Job made this statement because of his experience, because he had gone through, has been going through the trials that he's going through. He had told Eliphaz, you know, if, if you were in my stead, if you were in my shoes, I would have compassion on you instead of the way that you are not having compassion on me. We looked at that last week and about having empathy or sympathy or compassion and things and how we should uh, move with compassion on those around us. We should move with compassion on those that are hurting and going through pain and going through struggles and trials and, and, uh, even going, I mean, we're not, I'm not talking about minimizing sin and, and some people's, uh, uh, struggles in life that are because of sin, but even those struggles that they're going through in life because of bad decisions and because of sins, even the apostle Paul said, uh, you know, but by the grace of God, there go I. And that was a statement of compassion, wasn't it? He wasn't, he wasn't minimizing sin. I mean, we read what the Holy Spirit uh, 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 um, gave Paul to write. And obviously, there is no minimizing of sin within that. But we can also uh, look at sin correctly. And we can, we can deal with people with compassion. And we should do that. And we should do that. And, I, and let me say this again. I believe God ends up bringing people into our life. 
He will bring people into our life that need help and compassion who are going through situations that we've already gone through. Yeah. Have you, anybody already had that in your life? Somebody comes to you and you think, man, I've already been there. And I'm telling you, you can go to the Word of God. You can be help to them. God, I, Listen, God providentially, I believe, intersects those, those people with your life because He's trying to use uh, what you've gone through in your life. And actually, we're going to look at it a little, little more tonight about how the purpose of what God brings us through. And so we need to move with compassion to those around us. But tonight, Job is actually going to return again to desperation. He's going to return again to accusations. But in the midst of the accusations, in the midst of the depression, we're going to see a glimmer of hope tonight. And we're going to uh, cover three chapters. Uh, At times, I I feel like we get so bogged down in, in Job. There's a lot here. We're not halfway through Job. It's pretty depressing already. I mean, chapter 1 through 4, we could have been like, okay. And really, most of Job is kind of like the debate last night. It's like, all right, we get it. You know, you disagree with him. You hate him. He hates you. Uh, let's just go to the house and do something else. All right, Noth- nothing's been changed. This is almost what's going on here with Job and his, and his, and his three friends. And they're just knuckleheads, all of them right now. And so Job is going to return to desperation and look in chapter 16, would you please? Chapter 16. And Job is going to start accusing his friends now. Okay. Remember in chapter 16, verse 5, he said, I would strengthen you with my mouth. He was telling Eliphaz, we looked at this last week, and the movement of my lips would assuage your grief. And look what he says, though I speak, my grief is not assuaged, and though I forbear, what am I eased? But now he hath made me weary. Thou, thou hast made desolate all my company. And thou hast filled me with wrinkles, which is a witness against me. You can't lie about wrinkles. You know, yeah, you can get Botox. You know, they didn't have Botox with Job, okay? They didn't have any of that stuff or, or that, those ladies' makeups that fill pores and cracks and crevices. And it's like spackle. It's like uh, women's spackle. And don't they have that? Don't they have like, okay, I thought I saw something about that once before. Maybe I'm mistaken. My bad. Yeah. I did not try to, never mind. Okay. So, (laughs) you filled me with wrinkles. Witness against me. My leanness rising up in me beareth witness to my face. He teareth me in his wrath who hateth me. He gnasheth upon me with his teeth. Uh, Mine enemy sharpeneth his eyes upon me. They have gaped upon me with their mouth. They're, they're speaking all sorts of evil words against them. They have smitten me upon the cheek reproachfully. They have gathered themselves together against me. And he's, he is uh, accusing of his, his friends here of what they're doing to him. And he's right. They are. They're just, they're relentless at Job. They're, they're, and you remember what it is. Their deal is, Job, you have sin in your life, and it's the only reason that you're going through this. And Job is going, no, I don't. And they're going, yeah, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. And they're using all sorts of poetic words to say, no, I don't. Yes, I do. Um, and we don't talk like this anymore. We just say, no, I don't. Remember, 30-second sound bites, right? We, we can't do this, okay? And so... And he's accusing his friends. He's going after his friends. It's just, it's just getting aggravating to him. But then he's going to accuse God next. Look at verse 11. 
God hath delivered me to the ungodly. I, I believe when he says he's delivered me to the ungodly, who do you think he's talking about? Three knuckleheads, right? I mean, that's kind of the elephant in the room, per se. He's, he's saying it without saying it, right? He has delivered me to the ungodly and turned me over into the hands of the wicked. <laughs> I was at ease, but he hath broken me asunder. He hath also taken me by the neck and shaken me to pieces and set me up for his mark. Oh, what's that mean? We'll look at it here in a minute. His archers compass me round about. He cleaveth my reins asunder and doth not spare. He poureth out my gall upon the ground. He breaketh me with the breach upon breach. He runneth upon me like a giant. And he's, Job now is accusing God. He's saying, you've turned me over to my friends who are wicked men. He said in verse, uh, verse 12 and 13 here, I just read it, that, he, that Job is being used as a target by archers. Job is like, I'm a target and you're, you are pulling back and firing arrows at me. And I, I, don't, I guess you're just finding enjoyment in this. I don't know. He goes on to say, not only is he a target for, for the archer, but he says in verse 14, he's being attacked by like this warrior-like attack. I'm being attacked. It says here in verse 14, breach upon breach. This is metaphorical here. And Job is speaking about, talking about like when a military would come into a city and, and, and uh, punch holes in the walls to try to get into the city to take it over. And that they would make a breach upon the walls. And Job said it's like a breach upon breach. They're just putting a hole after a hole in the wall of the city. And Job is saying, God, you're doing this to me. I feel like I'm like a city in a wall and you're just, just pounding me full of holes. Yeah, He's not having a good day. Actually, we're going to see here, here later on, we'll see it's, it's going on for months. Because he says at one point, remember, he says, oh, that it were as in months past. He was looking back to months before. So, you know, this isn't really, these, these conversations here aren't just one sitting. This is going on day after day after day, okay? Maybe they have a, maybe they have a back and forth when they meet somewhere and the, then they go home for the day and try to study up for the next day to get back at each other. I don't know. But uh, this is going on for some time. And so to Job, God is attacking him like a warrior would, and he has no defense. The wall has been broken down. Any defense that he has is broken down. Well, what's broken down in Job's life? Well, it's wealth. His wealth is gone. His health is gone. That's a good defense, isn't it? Remember over in Proverbs where the Bible says money is a defense? Money is, see, we get in problems when we use money as offense. You know, money is a defense. Money is a defense. Our health is a defense, right? And Job says, so you, you have, I, I have no defense left against you. And now you're, you, he's using his three friends. Oh, let me say it this way. Job says, you're using my three friends to do your bidding. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty upset. Okay. So now Job's going to return to some thoughts about death. Look at verse 16. My face is foul with weeping. And on my eyelids is a shadow of death, not for any injustice in my hands. Also, my prayer is pure. Here he goes again. I've done nothing wrong. I've done nothing wrong. O earth, cover not thou my blood, and let my cry have no place. Does that ever make you think of Abel? 
the blood of Abel, God says, his blood crieth out to me from, from the sand, from the, from, the, from the earth. Here Job says, cover not thou my blood and let, not my, let my cry have no place. Also now behold, my witness is in heaven and my record is on high. My friends scorn me, but mine eye poureth out tears unto God. Oh, that one might plead for a man. With God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. And here it is, verse 22. When a few years are come, then I shall go the way whence I shall not return. Don't, don't miss this word, this last little couple words here, this little phrase, whence I shall not return. Remember back in 13, we're going to look at this here in a little bit again. He said that at least a tree grows again and I'm not going, I'm not going to be around anymore. Here he is again in verse 22. When, so, when the way I go and I will not return. Remember, he's lacking revelation, remember? He does not have revelation at this point of what goes on after death. Most of the, and I've said this before, most of the Old Testament does not have a revelation of what goes on after death at this point. So, Job is back to thoughts about death. He just wants to die. And then we look at chapter 17, and chapter 17 is just really all about Job's coming death. Look at verse 11. We'll just read the last few verses. My days are past. My purposes are broken off. Even the thoughts of my heart, they change the night into day. The life is short because of darkness. If I wait, the grave is mine house. I have made mine bed in the darkness. I have said to corruption, thou art my father. To the worm, thou art my mother and my sister. What worm are they talking about? Well, the worms that eat the body after it's placed into the ground. He said, and where now is my hope? As for my hope, who shall see it? Okay, now don't miss this. Into chapter 16, he's saying, I'm not going to return. Chapter 13, I'm not going to return after I die. End of chapter 17, where is now my hope? Who shall see it? They shall go down to the bars of the pit when our, when our rest together is in the dust. So Job's like... He's kind of resigned himself to death. He's not coming back again. And there's no hope. There's absolutely no hope. No, he's going through stages of grief still. This happens. This happens when, when something that you're dealing with is prolonged. It's, it's one thing when something that happens and goes on for a day or two. It's another thing when it happens for a week or two, a month or two, or a year, or four, or five, or ten. Despair. Despair and a lack of hope. And so this is where Job is here in chapter 17. No more hope. But now we're going to move in chapter 18. Boy, we're moving along. You like that? Yeah. And this is going to be Bildad's second attack. Now if you can look back on chapter 8. You can look back there real quickly. This is where Bildad first showed up on the scene. Some have called him kind of... You know, kind of a cute term, I guess, a funny term called Bildad the Brutal, and he is brutal. And I'm telling you right out of the gate, man, this guy essentially says this, God killed your kids. (laughs) God's chastening you for hidden sin. You know why? Because God doesn't cast away a perfect man. That's what Bildad told Job. Right off the bat. Look at this. Um, 
Doth God pervert judgment? Verse 3. Or doth the Almighty pervert justice? If thy children have sinned against them, and he have cast them away for their transgression, if thou wouldest seek unto God betimes, that word betimes means quickly, and make thy supplications to the Almighty, if thou wert pure and upright, surely now he would awake for thee, and make the habitations of thy righteousness prosperous. See, what he, there he is. He said, it's because of your sin, Job. God took your children. He's taken everything you have. He's chastening you because of hidden sin. Because if there wasn't hidden sin, God would have shown up on your behalf and He would have taken care of everything. Well, here in in chapter 18, the second attack is really not much different than the first one. (laughs) Look at verse 5. Chapter 18 and verse 5. This is Bildad, the Shuhite. He wasn't very tall. I had to say that. Sorry. Shoe height. Verse 5. Yea, the light of the wicked shall be put out, and the spark of his fire shall not shine. You see that? The light of the wicked shall be put out. God snuffs out the light of the wicked. Think about a candle. You think about a lantern. You think about something with a wick that you can just turn the wick back down and put that out, okay? Or even, of course, today, a light switch. Usually we say turn it off, but I guess you could say put out the light. (laughs) Okay, a little different, but you'd get the point across. Bildad saying God puts out the light of the wicked. God snuffs out the wicked. Verses 8 to 10, look at verse 8. He says, For he casteth into a net by his own feet, and he walketh upon a snare. The jinn shall take him. Uh, Eli Whitney didn't wasn't the first one to come up with a gin. All right, here, here it is. You know the cotton gin. Here's one here. Yeah, the gin shall take him by the heel, and the robber shall prevail against him. The snare is laid for him in the ground, and a trap for him in the way. And and Bildad saying here that the wicked come to calamity out of their own devices. They walk into their own traps. There's all truth to this. Don't give me. Don't, don't miss this. Bildad is saying things that are that are somewhat true. Verse 11, he says, the wicked live in fear. Verse 17, he says, the wicked are forgotten. You ever think of when the rich man and Lazarus, Jesus told the, those events of the rich man and Lazarus, and that rich man who was in hell, what did he call him? What was his name? What was his name? It wasn't a certain rich man. Does God snuff out the name of the wicked? I, I think so. Yeah, we knew who Lazarus was. But he said a certain rich man. Verse 17 says the wicked are forgotten. Verse 19, he says the wicked are child childless. Well, that's not true. There's some things here that Bildad is saying. And remember I said at the very beginning of Job, you got to very, be very cautious about pulling chapters and verses out and making messages and, and making applications to certain things that could be out of context. Though some of these things are true, some of these things are not true. But once again, what Bildad is doing is he is sure, he is confident, he is sticking to his guns, he is digging his heels in, that calamity and grief are exactly where the wicked live. Look at verse 21. Surely such are the dwellings of the wicked, and this is the place of him that knoweth not God. You know what Bildad is actually doing here though, right? What's he inferring? 
he's inferring that Job is wicked. He's inferring that Job has fallen into his own trap. He's inferring that Job is childless now. How evil to go after that. That Job is childless childless now because he is wicked. Otherwise, he wouldn't be suffering the calamities. You see why it's hard to just to kind of muddle through Job chapter after chapter? They're just saying the same thing over and over and over again. Though some elements of what Bildad said are right, the application of what Bildad said was wrong. It's wrong. So look at chapter 19. Job is going to speak again. Verse 1. Job answered and said, How long will you vex my soul and break me in pieces with words. Job would have probably rather them just beat the tar out of him physically than the words. Yeah. I want you to notice two things in chapter 19. There's so much here in chapter 19. I don't want to uh, I need to focus on 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 the application here tonight. But there's so much here in chapter 19. It's such an exciting chapter. It's it's an amazing chapter really. When you take into consideration where Job has been, when you take into consideration the time frame that he's living, I really believe this is the patriarchal uh, time frame. I don't, I don't believe he was a, uh, a son of Naphtali. I don't think he was, was during, uh, um, during the, lived in Egypt. I don't think he was in Egypt uh, with, uh, with, his, uh, with, the, with Israel, with Jacob. I, some believe, people believe that because the name Job is mentioned in, in a lineage back before. And we're not going to look at that tonight. But thinking about where Job is living, where he's at, his time frame and all this stuff, chapter 19 is unbelievable to me. So I want you to notice two things. Number one, Job's, Job's present. Job's present. Not a gift. His, his now, his, where he's living right now. Job, in verses 1 and 2, Job is absolutely exhausted with the accusations. Then Job, yeah, we just read this. How long will you vex my soul and break me in pieces with words? And then he's exhausted here and he's going to tell him one more time. And this isn't the last time. But he's going to tell him again. It's God doing this. It's not me. Now Job has limited revelation, folks. Okay, yes, God has allowed this. But in Job's understanding, God is sovereign and ruler over his universe and over his creation. So the only way, with using deductive reasoning, the only logical conclusion you could come to of what's going on in Job's life as a righteous man is that God is doing this to me. Okay. So Job is going to tell them again, it's, it's God, it's not me. Look at verse 6, chapter 19. Know now that God has overthrown me and has compassed me with his net. And so from here on in chapter 19, Job is going to lament everything that has come upon him, that has been brought upon him. What he says is by God. In verse 8 he says, God has fenced me in. He's saying, I can't get away from this. You ever been in a situation you thought, I don't see a way out of this. No, you're looking, you're Googling, <laughs> yeah. you're calling people, 
You're pulling out old books. <laughs> you're asking whoever you can find. And you're like, I think I'm fenced in on this one. This is what Job, but Job is saying, God has fenced me in. He says in verse 9, God has removed my glory. The wealth and the wisdom of Job, that was his glory. And he says, God has removed my glory. Verse 10, God has removed my hope. Verse 11, God has declared me as an enemy. You can go back and read this later. Uh, Verse uh, 12, God has raised up an army against me. Verse 13, God has removed loved ones. He goes on to say, family has failed me. Friends have forgotten me. Maids and servants in my own house treat me like I'm a stranger. When I call them, they don't even answer me. It's, I mean, think about that. These are servants of Job. And, he's, and, he's, and he has been brought to such a low place that his servants don't even respond to him. Yeah. He says, my very existence is foreign to my wife. He says, my breath is strange to her. It wasn't like, well, that was strange breath. No, that strange means foreign. He was saying that his very existence, it's like he doesn't even exist to her. Think about that. He said, even though I plead with her. Obviously, we see here, look at this. Uh, Would you look look at this here? I I don't want to... Pass this over too quickly. Verse 17. My breath is strange to my wife, though I entreated for the children's sake of my own body. Do you think Mrs. Job still has trouble with her, with her children being gone? Isn't it interesting that God's not dealing with her? Don't you think she's having trouble? Job said, I pled with her. And it's like, it's, like I'm, it's like she doesn't even know who I am. Look at this. He goes on to say, children despise me and speak against me. This is probably one of the greatest insults in the ancient East. To have children despise an adult. No, I know we're living in a day when, you know, we're, this is America today. Their women and their children will rule over them. No, that's where we are. Look at the Supreme Court. Look at half the governors across the country. Look at people who run for president. Their women and their children rule over them. God never intended that. That's judgment. That's not blessing. And here's Job, here's Job is saying, children despise me. We don't understand this as well as they do in the East. Remember Elisha? Go down, oh thou bald man. Go down, the bald man. Yeah, the Lord cursed thee. And bear came and killed them all. Yeah, you didn't do that. You didn't curse an elder. You didn't make fun of an elder. Yeah, think about that. How do you like that? Yeah. Make fun of an elder, and before you get home, you get attacked by a bear. That might do you good. That might do you good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, teasing. I'm teasing. Look at what he says. All who has ever loved me has turned away. I don't think this is hyperbole. He is absolutely alone. And the only ones that won't leave him are the ones that he wishes would leave him. Yeah. He says, my physical body is absolutely emaciated. There is nothing left of me physically. Look at verse 21. He says, have pity upon me. Have pity upon me, O ye my friends. For the hand of God hath touched me. Why do ye persecute me as God 
and are not satisfied with my flesh. He's saying, God is persecuting me. Why are you piling on with God? Isn't it enough that God's doing this? Why Does God really need your help? He says, doesn't my physical persecution, isn't that satisfactory enough? Isn't that satisfying enough? Or you can even see how, how bad I look in my condition. You know, sometimes people are very healthy and they look good. And you don't see what's going on on the inside. But here we can see everything going on with Job from the, from the outside in. <laughs> and Job is saying, you can just keep attacking me. But this is where he is living in his present He's longing for death. Everything, there is no hope left in his life. There is no hope of him living again like a tree might live again back in chapter 13. He is absolutely hopeless. This is Job's present hopelessness. He's exhausted. He's pained beyond comprehension. He's tired. He's alone. He's been crushed. And there's nothing left but to die. But now notice where Job goes to, though. This is incredible. Verse 25. For I know my Redeemer liveth. What? Where did that come from? For I know my Redeemer liveth, and that He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Wow. How did He get there? <laughs> I mean, it was just like a switch got turned on, wasn't it? Did you see that? There's some things... Oh, I tell you, we could spend a lot of time in here. i, I got to show you something. Next time you're with the Jehovah's Witness that says Jesus isn't God, just ask him how, how it is that the Redeemer in here is God. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand on the earth uh, upon the uh, at the latter day upon the earth, and that though my skin worms destroy the body, yet in my flesh I shall see who? God. Elohim, the true God. God, his Redeemer. You know what that word Redeemer there is? Goel. Who else had a Goel? Maybe Ruth? Was not Boaz Ruth's Goel? He was. He was her kinsman redeemer. This is that word right here, redeemer. It's Goel. This is what Job is saying. I know that my kinsman redeemer, I know that my Goel, I know he lives. I know he's alive and he lives and he's going to stand on the earth someday. Job understood here, know what he's talking about right here, is a bodily resurrection. A bodily resurrection. Physical, not spiritual. Sorry, preterist. There's coming a physical resurrection of the body. Jesus, just as Jesus raised himself up, he's going to raise us up too. And we're going to be like him. The preterist, if you don't know this, the preterist believes that all of the second coming of Christ and everything about, uh, about, uh, about uh, um, eschatology, about end times, is all um, spiritual. It's all metaphorical. It's all spiritualized. And Jesus came back spiritually uh, in 70 A.D. Not true. Not true. See, you've got to be real careful spiritualizing and uh, spiritualizing the Word of God. Because you see what they do, 
Once you spiritualize something and, and move away from the literal historical reading of what's being said, once you do that, you know what happens? You get to decide what truth is. That's exactly what they do. I've been in Jeremiah and reading through Jeremiah. And I tell you what, you see over and over, you read Jeremiah. We read the, do we not read the prophets literally? Do we not read the Old Testament prophets literally? Have we, do we not look back and see how they've been fulfilled in most part, uh, except for some portions, of course, of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and some of the other ones, how they've been fulfilled literally? You know, God said over and over and again through Jeremiah and Isaiah, I'm bringing you back into the land. <laughs> it's a physical. Israel's coming back to the land. Yes, they are. Absolutely. But Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to be on the earth again someday bodily. There's going to be a physical resurrection someday. Verse 26. And the Redeemer is God. Verse 27. Job says, I'm going to see Him personally. No, not somebody else. He says, I'm going to see Him with my own eyes. He says, even though I'm going to die... I'm going to see him. How did Job know this? I mean, have you been keeping up with where he's been? No hope. I'm going to die and I'm never coming back again. And now he's talking about resurrection. Huh. If you go to Matthew chapter 16, you don't have to turn there. You can go there in your mind. You know the, you know the section of uh, the events happening here in chapter 16. Jesus had his disciples together and he said, Hey, who, whom do men say that I am? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah or Jeremiah or, or one of the prophets. Can I tell you today, they still believe he's just one of the prophets? I've heard them. <laughs> yeah. So what does Jesus say next? He says, Whom do ye Say that I am. Peter piped up and he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What did Jesus say after that? He said, he said Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Yeah. No, uh, uh, flesh and blood, a, a man didn't tell you this. Jesus even said, I didn't tell you this. He said, my father told you this. Yeah. You've probably heard this said, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Listen, please. The God who revealed Job's declaration is the same God that revealed Peter's declaration. Yeah. And it's the same God that reveals the declaration in us. In the depths of our soul, in the depths of your soul, if you don't know this, you're not saved tonight. In the depths of your soul, we know that we know that we know that we will see Him. And we're going to see Him with our own eyes. And we're going to see Him bodily. And when we come back, we're going to reign with Him for a thousand years. You believe that? Amen. Amen. Job knew it. Peter knew it. The Apostle Paul knew it. Paul said, when we see Him, I'll be like Him. Yeah. And you and I, you know what? We know it tonight as well. We're going to leave this planet one day, but we're coming back. We're going to stand on this earth again someday. And we're going to stand in a resurrected body 
with the resurrected Christ, our kinsman redeemer, our Goel, our Savior, our friend. Can you see what's going on in Job's life? He's been pretty overwhelmed with his present circumstances. Understandably, right? Yeah. Understandably. But by the revelation of God, just for a moment, Job has caught a glimpse of his future. I think this is amazing. Since really just back in 14, he was, remember, or 13 or 14, he said, a tree can live again, but I can't. There's no hope for me. I'm going to the grave. Now here he is proclaiming with all certainty that he will live again and that he has a redeemer and that he's going to see him bodily. Wow. Is it possible tonight that your eyes have got fixed on your present circumstances? I don't know what everybody's going through. There's, there's many people that go through lots of things that nobody knows about. Yeah. Is it possible that maybe, like Job, you have gotten your eyes fixed upon your present circumstances? Do you know why I believe God gave Job this revelation right here? And he did. If Job was... Let let me let my mind go somewhere real quick. If Job was going to live again, if Job has a Redeemer, and he does, if Job was going to see his Redeemer one day, if this was... If everything in the future was going to be perfect, wouldn't you think that, to me, I guess that means that the things that Job was going through must have been for a purpose. Otherwise, why go through it? I mean, everything, I mean, you ever wonder this? I got saved. Why'd you leave me here? I mean, if we're going to be, Living in a in, in in all of this old is going to be away, and we're we're going to be living with him eternally, and and this life is going to be uh, washed away someday. Brother, Brother Bob and I were just talking about that just yesterday. About he had a great great lesson, uh, got my mind stirred up about heaven, and uh, who will we know when we're there? And and I I remember asking him afterward, "Do you remember being born?" <laughs> I don't. I don't. Does anybody remember being born? Kind of, I kind of think maybe our eternal state will be like that. We'll, we'll know we lived here. But it's possible we won't know anything about it. Thankfully. Could you imagine knowing everything from here? Still knowing it there? Well, doesn't sound like perfect to me. Yeah. So here, obviously what Job was going through, I believe, was for a purpose. He didn't just take him away. He left him there. And if everything is going to be perfect someday. Why does God allow all the negative things now? There has to be a purpose. Does God do anything without a purpose? 
Now listen, I know a lot of I know a lot of suffering is the byproduct of sin. I get that. But Job wasn't necessarily suffering because of sin. So why was God allowing this in Job's life? Because he's trying to take a righteous man and perfect him. No, Job was righteous and God even proclaimed it. He's a righteous man. But he's trying to perfect him. And this is exactly what God is doing with your life and with mine. No, have you, no, have you gotten your eyes fixed on the present? Listen, listen, please, listen. When you see your future, this is what Job's going to come to. When you see your future, you can trust him while he's working in your present. Yeah. Let me say that again. When you, when you see your future, you can trust him while he's working in your present. You don't like where you're living right now? Now, some of it may be self-inflicted, absolutely. But God has still allowed the byproduct of the self-infliction. Listen to me. He's trying to make you like Jesus. And can I tell you today? I love what Oswald Chambers says, that God is looking to make us broken bread and poured out wine. Usable to Him. And if you want the juice out of a grape, it's got to be crushed. And God will take all of our lives through periods of crushing so that He can get out of us what He's put in us. Yeah. Can I tell you tonight, wherever you're at, in your present, we have a future. Amen. But he's left you here for a purpose and he's doing, he, listen, he's working in your life on a purpose. He wants to use you. He wants to use you. Trust him. Trust him.